If you enjoy studying the Bible, but have grown frustrated looking for solid content you can trust, welcome to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study each day, five days a week. Every Monday, the team at Get Fed Today posts five hand-selected sermons from a vast catalog of reliable Bible teachers for you to enjoy on your commute, to and from work, during your daily walk or run, or that hour you spend working out. Please note, Get Fed Today only posts content that is already available for free on the internet. Nothing about this ministry is monetized, and a few costs associated with hosting the podcast have been covered by a single benefactor. In fact, Get Fed Today is a volunteer ministry run by a team of Christ followers who love God's Word, enjoy good Bible teaching, and genuinely want to make it as easy as possible for their fellow brothers and sisters to get fed today. All you have to do is subscribe. For quick links to the podcast available on Apple, Google, and Spotify, simply visit GetFedToday.com. And again, that's GetFedToday.com. We thank you, Lord, for the message of the gospel that we have to preach into all the world. The good news that death could not keep its prey, Jesus our Savior, but he tore the bars away, Jesus our Lord. And because he lives, we too shall live. Lord, we just pray that as we look now at the Word, the Holy Spirit will bring inspiration and understanding, enlighten our minds, our hearts, with your truth, that we might go this day rejoicing in the knowledge that Jesus lives. He lives within our hearts. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In 1 Corinthians... Chapter 15, Paul writes, 15, Paul writes, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you which also you have received, and wherein you stand, and by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that the Messiah died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul said, I preach to you good news. You received this good news. According to the media today, people really aren't interested in good news. The reason why you don't hear good news on the radio or on the television is because they say people are interested in 
bizarre things, horrible things, shocking things. They're not interested in good news. And I think that this past week we've seen a reflection of that because the news this past week has been filled. Front lines, headlines, filled with the death of 39 people in a bizarre fashion. Yet no headlines concerning one who rose from the dead. One who made a difference in the world, in the history of mankind. Soon the 39 who died will be forgotten. But the one who rose from the dead will live forevermore. Paul said, you've received this good news. He said, you stand in this good news. The truth is, our ship was going down. It was sinking fast. But Jesus came to rescue us from the sinking ship. And now our feet are upon the solid rock. The rock Christ Jesus. On Christ the solid rock I stand. The good news that you received, the good news upon which you stand, the good news by which you are saved. The gospel declares that man doesn't have to be lost because of his sin. That Jesus died for our sins. That we might be saved from the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death, but you don't have to receive those wages Jesus received them for you. You've been saved from the consequences of your sins through Jesus Christ. The gospel, Paul said, that I preach. You've received it. You stand in it. You've been saved by it. What is the gospel? Paul said that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. The Bible says that all of us, like sheep, had gone astray. We turned every one of us to our own ways, but God laid on Him the iniquities of us all. There God cried, for the transgressions of my people He was smitten. Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. On Good Friday, we pretty well covered the ground of Christ dying for our sins according to the Scriptures. We showed how that the Scriptures testified of how the Messiah must die. It was His love for me that nailed Him to the tree to die in agony for all my sin. For my own guilt and blame, the great Redeemer came. He was willing to bear the shame of all my sin. Oh, what a Savior is mine. In Him God's mercies combine. His love will never decline. And He loves me. To Calvary's hill one day, 
Our Lord was led away. None else the price could pay for all my sin. He saw my greatest need. He became my friend indeed. And through Him, I have been freed from all my sin. Oh, what a Savior is mine. In Him, God's mercies combine. His love will never decline. And He loves me. We saw on Friday that practically every event at the cross was prophesied in the Scriptures. His death between two thieves. His burial in a rich man's grave. His hands and his feet being pierced. Even the mocking and the jeers from the crowd. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. But that isn't good news unless He was buried and rose again according to the Scriptures. Had he not risen again, his boasts were empty and the scriptures were not fulfilled. But he died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and rose again according to the scriptures. Isaiah the prophet said that he was to be buried in a rich man's tomb. He was numbered with the rich in his death. David, writing prophetically of the Messiah, spoke of God's promise to him that he would not leave his soul in the grave, neither would he allow the Holy One to see corruption. And Peter, commenting on that verse, said, We testify to you that God did not leave his soul in the grave, neither did he allow the Holy One to see corruption, but this same Jesus has God raised from the dead. He was buried according to the Scriptures. But then He rose again according to the Scriptures. When Jesus, in the beginning of His public ministry, came to the temple, He was incensed by what He saw. Men had commercialized the things of God. Men were profiteering right there in the temple over the things of God. This so incensed Jesus that he made a whip and he began to drive out the money changers. He began to overturn the tables and drive them out and he said, it is written, My Father's house shall be called a house of prayer for all people, but you've made it a den of thieves. The high priest and the chief priest came to him and said, By what authority did you do that and who gave you the authority? And Jesus answered them, As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. 
so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus declared that the ultimate sign, you want a sign of the authority, it will be the resurrection from the dead. As Jesus was going up to Jerusalem with his disciples, Matthew tells us that he told them that he was going to be betrayed to the chief priest and that they would condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles who would mock him, scourge him, and crucify him. But he said, on the third day, I'll rise again. Jesus was betrayed by Judas to the high priest, where Jesus was brought, and the sentence of death was pronounced upon Jesus by the high priest. He said to those standing there, What do you say? This man is worthy of death. And they said, Let him be crucified. So they brought him to Pilate, the Gentiles, because at that time the Jews did not have the power of sentencing a person to death by crucifixion. The soldiers mocked him. They put on a crown of thorns. They put on a purple robe and they began to bow and mockingly say, Hail, King of the Jews. They covered his head with a shroud. And they began to hit him in the face and they said, Prophesy, who was it that hit you? They mocked him. And then they scourged him. And then they crucified him, just as Jesus said they would. When Jesus was in Caesarea Philippi, and he said to his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they said, Well, some people think that you're John the Baptist. You've come back to life. Others think that maybe you're Elijah the prophet. Some say you're the other prophet. Jesus said, Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus began to say to his disciples, upon their recognition that he was the Messiah, that the Messiah was going to suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and that he would be killed but the third day he would rise again. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried but the third day he rose again according to to the scriptures. When Jesus rose again, there were two of the disciples that afternoon walking on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus sort of joined stride with them. And he said to them, 
What's wrong, fellows? You look like death warmed over. What's the matter? You look so sad as you're walking and talking together. And they said, you must be a stranger around here. Are you the only one that doesn't know what happened in Jerusalem in these days? Jesus said, what things? What are you talking about? They said, oh, there was a man named Jesus. He was from Nazareth. He did mighty works. He went around doing good and healing all that were sick. And we actually hoped and thought that he was the Messiah. And that in him would be salvation for Israel. But they crucified him. And this is the third day. Some of the women were at the tomb this morning and they came back and said the tomb was empty. But you know how women get all excited and all. And Jesus said, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And we read that he began to open up the scriptures to them. He said, ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things in order to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them all of the scriptures that concerned him. The prophecies. We are told later on that day when he appeared to the disciples. He said to them, now this is what I was telling you. While I was still with you. That all of these things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses. And in the prophets. And in the Psalms. And then he opened their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written and thus it behooved the Messiah to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. Opening the scriptures to them. I wonder as he went through the law the prophets and the Psalms. I wonder if Jesus showed them in Genesis that when God spoke to Adam and Eve and to Satan concerning the sin, when he said to Satan that the seed of the woman would bruise his head, his power, his authority, I wonder if Jesus pointed out that a woman doesn't have a seed. That God was prophesying of the virgin birth of the Messiah who would destroy the power of Satan. I wonder if he took them to the story of Abraham who was called on by God to offer his son, his only son, as a sacrifice on a mountain that God would show him. And how that Abraham journeyed with his son for three days. Holding in his heart a secret that was breaking his heart. That he would have to sacrifice his son, his only son, unto the Lord. And how that as they were going up Mount Moriah together. Isaac said, Dad, 
we have the fire and we have the wood, but where is the sacrifice? And now Abraham said, son, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And how as when Abraham was ready to offer Isaac, God spoke and said, Abraham, hold your hand. Behold, there's a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. Offer that as the sacrifice. And how as Abraham left that mount, he called it Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. In the mount of the Lord, he said, it shall be seen. I wonder if Jesus pointed out to them that Golgotha was the top of Mount Moriah. The very place where Abraham offered his son was where God gave his only begotten son. Who for three days was buried, but rose again. If Jesus took them to Exodus concerning that lamb that was slain in Egypt and the blood was put on the lintels and the doorposts. I wonder if Jesus pointed out to them that placing it on the lintels and the doorposts, it was placed in the shape of a cross. And that by that blood being there on the lintels and the doorposts, the firstborn of the family was not killed, but was spared. Blood was put on the lintels and the doorposts. I wonder if Jesus pointed out to them that placing it on the lintels and the doorposts, it was placed in the shape of a cross. And that by that blood being there on the lintels and the doorposts, the firstborn of the family was not killed, but was spared. And I wonder if Jesus pointed out that through His cross, through the blood that He shed upon the cross, men do not have to die. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I wonder if He took them to the sin offerings in Leviticus and He showed them how that the guilt was transferred onto the animal and then the animal was slain and the blood was placed on the altar to make a covering for sin and how that by His blood our sins are more than covered. They are put away. I wonder if he took them to Numbers and he showed to them how that when their fathers were dying in the wilderness because of their thirst, that when the rock was smitten, water of life came forth and they lived. And I wonder if he showed to them that he was that rock that was smitten on the cross, but by being smitten brought forth water of life to all who are dying of thirst. I wonder if in Deuteronomy he showed to them the prophecy of Moses that another prophet would arise and to them they would give heed. I wonder if in Joshua he showed to them how that when Joshua was ready to come in and conquer the land that God had promised, that there met him the angel of the Lord and Joshua said, Who are you? Are you for us or against us? And he said, as the captain of the Lord's host, have I come to lead you into the conquering of the land. I wonder if in Judges, he pointed out 
concerning Gideon. How the Lord came and spoke to him words of courage and words of peace. I wonder if he took them to Ruth and showed them the story of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer who bought the field in order that he might have the bride who he was in love with. And showed them how that because of his love, he bought the field, he purchased the world in order that he might have the ones he loves, his bride, and take them out of the world. I wonder if he took them to Psalm 2 where God spoke to his son and said, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me and I'll give you the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the world for thy possession. I wonder if Jesus took them to Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from the words of my roaring? I cry in the daytime, and thou hearest not, and in the night season, and I'm not silent. But thou art holy, O thou who inhabits the praises of Israel. And how it went on to prophesy the very words that the high priest would say. He saved others himself he cannot save. Let God have him if he wants him. The high priest didn't realize what he was saying. He saved others himself he cannot save. That was so true. Had he saved himself, he couldn't save us. He could have easily saved himself. When Peter drew the sword to try and defend him, Jesus said, put it away, Peter. They that take the sword will perish with the sword. Don't you realize I could call 10,000 angels to deliver me, but the cup that the Father has given me to drink, shall I not drink it? I wonder if he showed them in Psalm 22 where the psalmist said, They pierced my hands and my feet. All of my bones are out of joint. They divided my garments among them and they cast lots on my vesture. And as he went through the 22nd Psalm, if they didn't see it in a whole new light, they heard him cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? They saw his hands and his feet pierced. They saw the soldiers as they gambled for his robe. All of it suddenly began to come to light. He opened up the Scriptures to them. Now they began to understand that the Messiah must suffer. But rise again. Taking them to Proverbs. As, Pro as Solomon extols wisdom. Having existed in the beginning, I wonder if he pointed out that he was that wisdom of God of which Solomon spake. In the Song of Solomon, I wonder if Jesus showed to them that he was the altogether lovely one, the one that the heart of the bride was longing after. Taking them to Isaiah, he was the son that would be born of a virgin, that he was the child that was to be born, the son that was to be given, and the government would be upon his shoulders, and his name would be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Taking them further in Isaiah, he was the one who would give his back to the smiters, his cheeks 
to those that would pull out his beard and he would not hide his face from their spitting. And in Isaiah 52, he was the one whose face was so beaten, so marred that he could not be recognized as a human being. And in the 53rd chapter, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. For all of us like sheep had gone astray. We turned every one of us to our own ways, but God laid on him the iniquities of us all. I wonder if he pointed out that cry of God, for the transgressions of my people he was smitten. And he made his death, or he died with the wicked and made his grave with the rich. I wonder if Jesus pointed out those scriptures. I wonder if he pointed out in Jeremiah that he was the righteous branch of David who would reign as king and prosper and rule over the earth. He was the one whose name in that day would be called Jehovah, our righteousness. Or that in Ezekiel, he was the plant of renown that was giving shade and fragrance to all who would seek comfort under it. Or in Daniel, he was the stone that was not cut with hands, that came and destroyed the governments of the world and the governments of man and established a kingdom that would never end. I wonder if he pointed out to them that it was exactly 483 years since Artaxerxes gave the commandment to restore and rebuild Jerusalem and that Daniel said that from the time that commandment went forth it would be 483 years until the coming of the Messiah the Prince and maybe he pointed out can't you see it's 483 years since that commandment went forth but then notice Daniel said the Messiah will be cut off I wonder if he pointed these things out to him. He opened up the scriptures. He started with Moses, went through the prophets, went through the Psalms, and began to show them all of the things in the scriptures that were written of him. I wonder if he took them to the prophet Joel and showed to them that he was the hope of the people that was promised. I wonder if he took them to Amos and showed them that he was the only son that was, that was put to death on a feast day and how that the sun became dark at noon, though it was a clear day, no clouds. I wonder if he showed them in Jonah that he was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, just as the Son of Man would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I wonder if he showed him in Micah that Bethlehem was prophesied to be the birthplace of the Messiah, though it was one of the small little villages, yet out of Bethlehem would come the one who existed from eternity past, who would become the ruler over God's people. I wonder if he showed them in Nahum that he was the one who would be publishing peace upon the mountains. In Habakkuk, he was the one that 
Habakkuk was singing about who was coming forth with salvation. In Zechariah, he was the one who was betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver and the money was placed in the temple and then used to buy a potter's field. That he made his entry on a donkey just like Zechariah said. And in the last prophecy of the Old Testament, that of Malachi, I wonder if he showed to them that he was the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Obvious, the gospel that Paul preached is a gospel that was founded on the word of God, on the promises of God. And as Jesus went through with his disciples, he was showing them all of the things that were written of him. Actually, Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies in his life and death and burial and resurrection. Over 300. A math class at Pasadena College several years ago took 48 of the predictions and by the law of compound probabilities tried to determine or ascertain what chance a man could have in fulfilling 48 of those predictions. And they came up with the factor of 1 in 10 to the 145th power that a man could fulfill 48 of the predictions. Jesus fulfilled over 300. Science says if something is 1 to... 10 to the 58th power, 1 in 10 to the 58th power, that it's an impossibility. It's mathematically impossible. Jesus fulfilled over 300 predictions. No wonder Paul said, the gospel that I preach, how that Christ died according to the Scriptures, was buried and wrote according to the Scriptures. As Peter, later writing of his experiences with Jesus, beholding the glory at the transfiguration, said, We didn't follow some cunningly devised fable when we declared to you the glory of our Lord. We were eyewitnesses. But we have the more sure word of prophecy, even more certain than what I've seen with my eyes. We've got the Scriptures Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and He rose again according to the Scriptures. That's the Gospel. The Gospel truth. The Gospel that Paul proclaimed and the Gospel that we have the privilege of sharing with the world today. The good news. Christ died for man's sins according to the Scriptures. But He rose again and He lives forevermore. So we pray. Father, how thankful we are that we have the privilege of carrying this wonderful gospel, this glorious gospel to a dying world. A world that is filled with despair and hopelessness. Lord, how thankful we are for the record of the Scriptures. And this is the record. Christ died for our sins. And he rose again. And that through him you have given to us 
eternal life. This life is in the Son, and he who has the Son has life. Thank you, Father, for this day in which we can celebrate again the empty tomb, the risen Lord. Guide us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want you to just think for a moment. Christ died for your sins, according to the Scriptures. We're here on Resurrection Sunday, the Sunday in which we have set apart to celebrate the fact that He rose from the dead. I want to tell you how easy it is to be saved. Paul said, if you'll just confess, with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. We were singing it. He is Lord. He's Lord. He's risen from the dead. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Right there where you're sitting right now, within the privacy of your own heart, Jesus is coming to you. He wants to open up the Scriptures to you. He wants to show you the truth. The truth of God's Word. That you might see. That you might believe. That He is the Messiah. The Son of God. And He died for your sins. According to the Scriptures. And if just now, you in your heart will accept. Jesus as your Lord. If you'll just in your heart determine, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm going to follow Him. I will be His servant. And you believe the record of God, the record of the Scriptures, that He rose from the dead. You will be a child of God. You will receive this day the gospel, the good news. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. And you'll receive that power. And God will forgive and cleanse you from your sins. Even now. If you'll just receive. Jesus Christ is your Lord. I wonder how many here this morning would say, Chuck, I want to do that. I want to receive Jesus as my Lord just now. I do that. I accept Him. I believe that He did rise from the dead. And I accept Him as my Lord. I'd like you to just Put your hand up and down again because I want to pray for you and I will. Yes. God bless you. Yes. God bless you. Praise the Lord. God bless. God bless. God bless you back there. Yes. Yes. God bless. So we stand.
After the resurrection of Jesus in the early church, there developed sort of a custom when they would meet a fellow Christian on the street, on the path, they would greet the fellow Christian with the declaration, He is risen! And the other Christian would respond, He is risen indeed! Oh, good news. He's risen. He's risen indeed. So, let's try it. I'll declare it to you and you respond to me. We're just meeting on the road. He's risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Chuck Smith. If you enjoy the message, you can access more of Pastor Chuck's teaching ministry by visiting pastorchuck.org.